It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Monday up and down the West Coast. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. From our Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego, we welcome you to our Monday bonus podcast, Hacksaw's Headlines. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with the venerable, he's dry, not out in left field yet, John Riley. And we welcome you to talk all things sports with our Monday bonus podcast. Our podcast is brought to you by North County Eyes center of Poway and Escondido. You have a need, evaluation, test, you need procedures on your eyes. You need North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. And by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center, it's winter. Cold inside, maybe time to consider doors and windows. Dixieline Lumber Home Center's the place for you. John Riley, have we got a ton of things to talk about. What a great sports weekend cannot believe the great NFL games we've seen. We're going to go a lot of different directions on the show. Yeah, it was the best weekend of the NFL, and a lot of the games lived up to the hype. You you said that Thursday (laughs) after we were headed uh, towards our great sports weekend that you love the Divisional Series weekend. It really stood up to it. A couple of business notes. Item one, when we're done, we're looking for people to join us. We call this thing Fans Forum. John, how do these people get involved to join our team once we get to the end of the podcast? So yeah, you can get involved in Fans Forum. And it's funny, Raul jumped in before we went live. So, you know, if you've got a question or comment for Lee, you want to talk about the NFL divisional playoffs, you want to talk about baseball, free agency, NBA, whatever it is, NHL, drop your comment or your question in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We've also started something new. It's called Hacksaw's Insiders Group. We're trying to roll out some ideas, how to get together, do things in 2024. How do people join the Insiders Group? Yeah, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Go in the upper right corner. There's an orange box sign up. I'll tell you what, that list is building every day. <laughs> They're getting the best 15 minutes in sports, and we got some cool things cooking for the new year. And a reminder, if you like sports, I write on my website every day. If you check it every morning, you'll know every big story there is in the world of sports. Just go to that. It's on my address. is right there at the top of the live stream board. LeeHacksawHamilton.com You pick out what you want to read. It's fascinating, too. And by the way, give us a thumbs up. By the way, Give him, or maybe me, five stars. We could use the support. Thanks for being part of our team. John, off and running. Let's talk about some classic games we saw this weekend in the NFL. This was a great rematch of two outstanding quarterbacks. Five lead changes. The bulk of them in the second half. Last guy touches the ball, probably has the chance to win it. The Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, outdueled the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. Wild finish to the football game. Thought of something this morning. You know what the country is saying about the Buffalo Bills? That their relationship with the Kansas City Chiefs, a failure, is going to define Sean McDermott and Josh (laughs) Allen. Because that's now three times Mahomes, Buffalo, Kansas City beat the Bills. Josh Allen not able to beat Mahomes when it counted most end of the season. What a wild finish. We had a fourth down fail punt. Then we had the Hardman fumble out of the end zone. And then there was the missed Tyler Bass field goal right at the end. The Stars did what the Stars had to do most of the game. 
Josh Allen, big runs. Travis Kelsey, two touchdown catches. Bills just ran out of players. They had injury problems like you can't believe it. Linebacker, the Chiefs ran, run defense, ran out of steam for a large segment of the second half of that game. But yet they perceived, persevered, got the win. Oh, the heartbreak. The words, wide right. The heartbreak <laughs> for Buffalo's kickers. The heartbreak exactly. for Buffalo's coaching staff. The heartbreak for the Buffalo fans. Patrick Mahomes is now 13-3 and in the playoffs. His first road win ever in playoff games because it was the first road playoff game he's had. His record on the road in the NFL is 33-12. This guy is so impressive. And Josh Allen, for all the dynamics, he's only 5-5 five and five in postseason with Bills. The Chiefs' playoff hex over Buffalo continues. So I threw a bunch of stuff up on the board. John, give me a response to Mahomes outdueling Josh Allen. Well, I think Mahomes not only outdueled Josh Allen, he outsmarted him. Don't you ever get that sense that there is some kind of magic pixie dust there with the, the Chiefs? If it's not Andy Reid or Mahomes, it's Kelsey or someone else that can figure out how to make this work and always come up with the win when it counts. But Josh Allen, even in a loss, you see some of those downfield passes were just tremendous. And his runs. Yes. And, you know, he was just carrying the world on his back, but it just wasn't enough. Well, they ran out of players defensively, and I think that really hurt them trying to defend all the dynamics that Kansas City's got coming off the line of scrimmage. They were down to three healthy linebackers at the end. They lost a couple of people in the secondary during the course of the game. Sean McDermott, I thought, just kind of ran out of players. Do you think that this loss, on top of all the other losses postseason to Kansas City, that this defines Sean McDermott, that it's like a albatross around his neck, he just can't get out from beneath that? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's his nemesis, the Chiefs. You know, It's been, what, two or three years in a row. So yeah, he's got to clear that hurdle next season. Okay, we go from that Kansas City win. They go to the AFC Championship game. Let's talk about the other AFC game. Yeah, the Texans went into Baltimore and it really wasn't much of a game. Nice headline. Lamar Jackson everywhere. <laughs> yeah, totally. He threw the ball. He ran the ball. He broke their back. And I give I give Houston a lot of credit. I'm not sure that they even really deserve to be on the field, but it was a road game which made it doubly harder for C.J. Stroud. But Lamar does what Lamar does. He threw for 152. He ran for 100. He had runs of 14, 15, 15, and 23. Wow. It just broke Houston's back defensively. Ravens wound up with 313 yards, 229 of that on the ground. Ravens got tougher and tougher as the game wore on, and Houston was spent. Baltimore, 37 minutes time of possession. C.J. Stroud threw for 178 against one of the best defenses in the league. Zero touchdowns. They had no offense, really, to speak of. And their only points came on the Stephen Sims 67-yard rocket shot punt return. It kind of put him into the game. And Houston self-destructed. The noise was bedlam. They had 11 penalties in the game. I think eight of them were on the offensive side of the football. Illegal procedure, false starts, screwed-up formations. They just got beat by a really good team. Take nothing away, though, from what D'Amico Ryan's accomplished but Baltimore is a complete football team. Yeah, I mean, I was just really, really impressed. And also to see Lamar Jackson's playoff challenges in the previous years. Now he's the man and he's stepping up. But, you know, Houston fans have got to be excited for their future. They seem that they're already ahead of schedule. Okay, we go from the AFC games to what happened on the other street corner, NFC football. Yeah, this game was very stressful. <laughs> but fortunately, the 49ers won. The last draft pick got his team a last-second win. 
don't know what else you can say about what Brock Purdy accomplished. And how about Jordan Love? Jordan Love engineered maybe what would have been the upset of modern-day playoffs if they had been able to pull this off. Green Bay had this thing for 58 minutes. San Francisco's hardly been behind all season, and they were behind the eight ball. And yet Brock Purdy led him on a 12-play drive, got him the game-winning touchdown with 107 to go. The defense came up with an interception with 34 seconds to go to snuff out the last opportunity for Jordan Love. Purdy throws for 294. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, the two-touchdown burst. Frisco's offense, 394 yards, a chunk of that right at the end of the game. You know, I, I thought about Green Bay's defense. I mean, they choked off San Francisco in chunks of that game, just like they did the week prior mm-hmm. to Dallas. And we'd never seen that all season from Green Bay's back <laughs> yeah. end. Jordan Love, 192 passing, but the critical pick. Aaron Jones, another really strong game, pounding the ball, ran for 95. This Green Bay team has got its future very much ahead of it. San Francisco's got an awful lot going for it. However, they lose Debo Samuel. Uh, they fear it's a microfracture of the shoulder. Second time this has occurred. I don't know that he's really going to be able to suit up and play in the NFC Championship game. And they're a little bit different offense if Debo's dynamics yeah. are not there coming out of the huddle. So talk Frisco, talk Green Bay. Well, I was obviously very pleased. And as you know, end of the game playoff drive, very Montana-esque that Birdie, uh, Purdy put together. But did you notice with Jordan Love, every time he throws, he seems like he's leaning backwards, kind of throwing off that back foot. He had people on his face. I mean, the last thing he he was about, it was going backwards because they, they were about to hit him. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of lollipopped it up there and it got picked. He threw it into coverage. He'd never throw it. But he was doing that all game, you yeah. know. But that he does flick it. He does get velocity. I thought he was tremendously accurate. He had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. And I think that people in Green Bay ought to feel like people in Houston. I'm not talking about the weather. I'm talking about feel how you feel about your team. I and agree. what you accomplished with Jordan Love, what you accomplished with C.J. Stroud. So San Francisco moves on to the NFC Championship game. And then we'll talk about the guys wearing Hawaiian blue when it's bitter cold outside. How about them, Detroit Lions? Oh, man. It's just Motor City madness, baby. They look pretty good. <laughs> Motown beats the Suncoast. I mean, it, this was a humdinger. These two quarterbacks were going after each other. Lions defense eventually got to Baker Mayfield. Field, four sacks, two picks, 13 pressures. He had guys in his face all day long. Jared Goff, 287 yards passing, two more touchdowns, and then those two receivers, the tight end Laporte, the wide receiver St. Brown, combined to catch 17. And this is a Tampa defense that blitzes your brains out and hopes their secondary can hold up, and most times it does. On Sunday, it did not. Baker Mayfield, gunslinger. Guy's got no fear. You you talk about showing guts, hanging in the pocket, Mm -hmm. knowing you're going to get belted. He threw for 345 and three touchdowns, but he had two interceptions. He sprayed the ball virtually all over the place. What a performance by Mike Evans. They doubled him all day long. He still caught eight for 141, and he dropped three. Uh, I, I, that was a tremendous game. Only disappointment I had because Tampa got there because they distributed the ball lots of people. Why did they not throw more to Cam Otten, the tight end, who had caught 10 the week before? And where was Chris Godwin in this whole mix? They kept targeting Mike Evans, and he did catch eight. He did drop three. So I, I don't, maybe Tampa Bay took stuff away from the tight end, took stuff away from Godwin. 
Uh, but Baker Mayfield was he was slinging it. But then again, Detroit golf the fans. Dan Campbell's passion play of a football team. Yeah. They're, they're pretty fun to watch. They're a ton of fun. And if they weren't playing my 49ers next weekend, I'd be totally <laughs> on board with the Lions. But I'm just thrilled for them. I mean, they, they're like Padre fans, long-suffering fan base. They've taken a step forward as an organization. I mean, they have built this thing. It has taken them three years they resurrected the quarterback, who now is a vibrant NFL competitor. They've built this defense. They've built an offensive line. Nobody Offensive lines are not sexy, but <laughs> there's some really good football players on that team, and they're in the NFC Championship game. First time. First time they've won two playoff games in any year since 1957. 1957. That's like Bobby Lane? Is that how it goes? Just post-Bobby Lane era, Mm -hmm. 1957, last time they were in a championship game. Unbelievable. Amazing. Good for those guys. Okay, we go from the games and a couple of unique sidebar stories here we want to talk about in our NFL notebook. Hey, if you're a football fan, I want you to join us in the chat room right now. Get online. Put the question up that you want. We'll talk NFL football as it relates to the playoff games. Who's hot? Who's not? What you saw? What you liked? Etc. Let's talk about television. This is going to be a good topic because I bet you a lot of the fans have strong opinions on this. Oh, <laughs> anybody on this podcast not have an opinion? Yeah. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> we were talking about this with friends over the weekend. Uh, the, the the TV networks go head to head. Do I have the best game? What's the presentation in the package look like? How about my play-by-play team? And we got into a debate over coffee the other morning about which analyst on NFL broadcast do you like the most? Uh, Tony Romo, I thought, had one of the best broadcasts of all time yesterday. Tony was spot on. It was not that he was predicting every play, but he would analyze something from the quarterback's perspective, and then all of a sudden it would happen that way. I'm so impressed with Tony Romo. Troy Aikman's getting phenomenal nationwide response on the Monday Night Football package right now uh, with Joe Buck. And Aikman has become, to a degree, a little bit more opinionated, which is kind of different for him. I've never seen that. Greg Olson came from being a tight end to becoming the lead analyst on Fox. He's intellectual. He is insightful. Uh, He's gotten good reviews. And Chris Collinsworth is now the senior member, the old dog, uh, with Mike Tirico, on NBC, and his approach is a little bit different. He does talk football, but he does a lot of laughs and ha-has, etc. Fascinating as to who you like the most. I think of that group, I like Romo the most. I have nothing against any of the other guys, as long as Aikman's not bland, Olson's insightful, and Collinsworth is just cut from a different cloth in terms of his packaging of what he wants to say and what he wraps around it. So that's my opinion. I'll take Romo uh, who's still excellent. And John Riley says, This is a great topic because, well, first of all, Collinsworth comes off to me like he's having fun, but he's like the guy that is going to probably like practical joke you, you know, and he's going to zing you and he's kind of snarky. And he laughs too. And he, he laughs, but you just figure when that guy has a couple of beers in him, he'd be a wild man at some party. Um, you know what's funny is uh, Greg Olson is so unassuming, but when he starts talking, you're like, oh, this guy really knows what he's talking about. So intellectual for he, being a tight end. Yeah. And also, you know, just kind of his, he doesn't speak with authority, you know, in his voice. So you kind of don't take him seriously at first. You know, Aikman's solid, but one thing I caught in one of, you know, they'll go up to the booth during the game. And then Aikman, before he speaks, he'll go out and reach and he'll grab a pen, you know, because he's the analyst, you know, so they've always got to have a pen in their hand, just like you. Yeah. But Romo is the 
best of all of them because he is so freaking smart and he has this sort of boy boy joyfulness about the sport and the love of the game and it just comes through. So yeah, I'm all for Tony Romo. I tell you, the games have been great to watch. And if you pay close attention to the broadcast crews, those guys are pretty doggone good, too. Okay, we go from that. Let's go to the other hot topic on the table because we're waiting for dominoes to start to fall. We're talking NFL coaches. Yeah, look at this. We've got six open spots. Okay, let's talk about what has transpired, what might transpire. The Raiders commit to Antonio Pierce as head coach. You can thank Max Crosby. Mad Max kind of led the statement from that locker room to owner Mark Davis, do this, keep this guy. The sidebar story is that they have now brought on board longtime NFL coach and GM, been in the Super Bowl, Tom Coughlin. Yeah. He's going to be a pseudo-consultant. He's not going to be the offensive consultant. He's not going to be the defensive consultant. What he's doing is he's aiding Antonio Pierce, because they're all part of the fabric of the old New York Giants, and who Pierce should hire to put on those coaching staff. Nice. Now, they've started to interview a whole bunch of veteran defensive coordinators led by the controversial Greg Williams. There are other guys that they're going to interview probably this week, and they're going to find a veteran offensive coordinator. And I think what, what's happened is that Coughlin walks into the room with index cards and said, these are the candidates if I were making the decision, 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, etc. So Coughlin's going to have some insight uh, to give to Antonio Pierce, aside from what Pierce's experiences have been all about. So the Raiders hire him. Patriots, of course, uh, promoted Jared Mayo, Mayo protege Bill Belichick. I think this was all prearranged as far back as a year ago. However, he's really been loud. Jared Mayo is saying things that were never said before in Foxborough. Jared Mayo, (laughs) we are going to hire named offensive coordinators that you know and they will have responsibility rather than this cloud smoke of Bill Belichick as who's a coordinator, da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> right. uh, Mayo this morning said, by the way, Patriot fans, we're going to burn through some cash in free agency. You imagine Belichick saying, we're going to spend a lot of money in free agency? So Jared Mayo's approaching his job very differently. Of course, he still needs a bleeping quarterback, and that's a big issue because they might not get a shot at one of the top couple of coordinators. Atlanta, second interview with Bill Belichick. Uh, This interview involves John McKay, president of football operations and their current general manager, after a one-on-one between Belichick and Arthur Blank that lasted a whole day. Belichick is still the hot guy. Mike Vrabel has been brought back in for a second interview in Atlanta. And guess who's gone back to Atlanta for a second interview? Jim Harbaugh. Wow. Which is a bit of a surprise. So Atlanta, they must people must think they have a lot to offer this position. I find that hard to believe in the fact that I don't think they got a hell of a lot of players, and I surely don't have a quarterback, but they have an owner, evidently, that everybody trusts. So that's the latest on Atlanta. Two interviews already with Belichick, second interview with Vrabel, second one coming with Harbaugh. Chargers. Second interview, we think it's tomorrow with Harbaugh. Now there's a glitch. I was told in Ann Arbor that by somebody I trust that covers Michigan football, that Harbaugh's dollar value is 12 to 15 million, whether it's in the NFL or it's back with the Wolverines. Harbaugh wants permission to hire whom he wants 
to put into structure situations in the front office. I don't know what that means for John. Thanks for the job, Dad. Spanos. <laughs> but that's part of it. And now there's a third piece of the equation. There's a big buyout to Harbaugh's contract. So the question is, is Dean Spanos going to be willing to pay Jim Harbaugh 15 mil, give him the right to hire whom he wants in the front office and player personnel control, and then pay the buyout for Michigan? I can't configure at this point after brief conversations, what the dollar value is, but it might be 8 to 10 mil. Ooh. Okay. That's a big outlay for Dean Spanos, who I think is one of the financially poor yeah. owners in the league, even yeah. though they call themselves the first family of football. <laughs> so they got that. Uh, the Chargers also bringing in Dan Quinn for a second interview from the Dallas Cowboys, Raheem Morris for a second interview from the Rams. I'm not sure whether or not Vrabel is going to have a second interview. He did interview on Friday. So there's a lot in motion as it relates to the Chargers. Carolina Panthers. Looks looks like Ben Johnson might be the hot guy from Detroit. They can't interview him yet because Carolina is still playing. They have done a Zoom interview. Mm. The, the league bylaws are so complicated. I can interview you via Zoom, even if your team's still in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Your team gets knocked out of the playoffs. John, here's the plane ticket. We'll do a second interview. But you can't interview you in person if you're still playing. Yeah. So Ben Johnson is out there. He kind of looks like hot guy Carolina. And in Washington, which has been really quiet since they hit the eject button on Ron Rivera, Washington over the weekend interviewed its own offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, and again, he's had no other interviews other places. And John, the last two years, Eric Bieniemy has been a really hot candidate. So, John, there's a lot of teams there to talk about. Your reaction to what's happened in Raiderville, your reaction to the lightning bolt. Anything else you want to cover? Yeah, that's just so much there. First of all, I think it's fantastic that Tom Coughlin is coming into Vegas. Consultant. Consultant. But, you know, they're taking this seriously and it's not going to be some weirdo decision by, you know, Mark Davis. So that's great. You know, the, the, the social media response to the, the Chargers and what they're going to do has been overwhelming on your YouTube channel. And the fans have either already, you know, gotten rid of the Chargers from their memory or they're saying if they don't hire Far- Harbaugh, they're they will done. get rid of them. Yeah. Then they're going to be done. So the fans there are just furious. And now to see, you know, like you say, there was another wrinkle or another problem with the Harbaugh thing, the buyout. But the the Spanoses are going to screw it up. I mean, we just know that's going to happen. Chargering. Um, chargering. So, uh, but, you know, for all the other places, yeah, so the comments from Mayo in New England were interesting. So, yeah, this is just fascinating the way all this is rolling out. So we've got these openings. Some dominoes are going to start to fall, fall pretty doggone quickly. Big I, time. Before the AFC-NFC championship game. You got a question about the coaching uh, situation? Jump on board in Fans Forum. Hacksaw's Headlines, our Monday bonus podcast, is brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. Comprehensive eye care, state-of-the-art technology, from basic care to special surgical care. We all going to need help and direction with vision problems. Consider North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. And our Monday bonus podcast is also brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. A reminder, we talk Dixie Line, we think about floor tiling, we think about kitchen cabinets, we think about closet space and lights. It's winter, pal. Just look outside at what winter is like, at least this day. 
You got old windows, you got door problems, your house feel cold, your heating bills through the roof. Think, John, new windows, new doors, and a Dixie line, it helps make a difference. Yeah, and they've got a specialist out there that'll help you out and get you a custom fit that's just perfect for your home. There are nine Dixie line stores in San Diego, over a hundred years of business doing this. Trust go to these people, Dixie Line. And before we start the second half of our Monday bonus podcast, John, we're going to play the name game. <laughs> Explain Fans Forum. Fans Forum. I, I love shouting out the guys that are already in line here. Who do we got? We got Hugh. We got John, Raul, Keith, 4RXLA, Kevin, Willie, uh, Callan McSports, George is in line, Winnipeg Sports Talk. <laughs> hey, everybody's got an opinion. So if you have a question or comment, drop it in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and we'll get you involved. And we go from that, we go to Hacksaw's Insiders Group. What does that mean? What do people do with that? Yeah, so you just get on board, man. Join the team go to leehacksawhamilton.com upper right corner orange box fill in your email get on the list you're going to get the best 15 minutes of sports every day just about and we're also going to have a bunch of fun things planned for the new year and we want you to share with all your friends you got a team that follows you you tell them email text whatever what we're doing whether a bonus podcast on monday or regular podcast thursday and remind them check my website leehacksawhamilton.com because we cover sports it's there every morning on the website we're a little bit amped coming <laughs> off this great sports weekend we haven't didn't even drink any coffee this morning, and we're like this. Yeah, there's just so much going on right now, and we're still fired up, man. It's great. On we go. Let's talk from NFL football. Let's talk Major League Baseball. Yeah, still some names that are up on the board, some attractive uh, players for many teams. This is a little bit hard to believe that some marquee guys have not signed anywhere. And we're talking about a situation where spring training camps, Cactus League Grapefruit Circuit, kind of roll out starting February 8th. And after that, free agent hot list. Blake Snell unsigned. This is hard to believe. I'm just wondering if there's kind of an outright revolt against player agent Scott Boros. The rumor mill in Major League Baseball from their insiders is they're asking for seven years, $210 million. That's 30 mil per season. But you have to dig deeper than the fact he's won two Cy Young Awards. He's got an inflated ERA. He's a five-inning pitcher. Are you going to play a five-inning pitcher who walks a lot of batters? $30 million a year for the next seven years? Price tag, I have to think, has to start coming down. And I just wonder where Snell's going to go. Jordan Montgomery, still out there, reinvented himself as a pitcher. He does have the World Series ring with the Texas Rangers. But, you know, he bounced around a whole bunch of other places, St. Louis included. Not signed yet. Price is supposedly six years, $150 million. That's pretty steep for Texas, which has spent volumes of money to build a World Series team. Might his price tag come down? I don't see that other people have interest in him at that price. This Cody Bellinger thing, uh, it, it, it's a real stretch now. And again... Who's he represented by? Scott Boris. <laughs> uh, I, I was told today out of Chicago that they want to re-sign him, but they're not going to pay Boris dollars to do it. Now, that's stupid because the Cubs have money, and the Cubs have not really done a hell of a lot. And you take a 306 hitter who hit 26 bombs, plays like gold glove in the outfield, had a tremendous bounce-back season. You take him out of the Cubs lineup, and the Cubs are not a pennant contender. No, not even I don't, I don't care that they signed uh, Shoto Iganama. Uh, from Japan just last week. He's not a difference maker, back of the rotation guy. 
But Bellinger is asking, I was told seven years, over $225,000 or $25 million wow. for okay. Bellinger. Now, granted, are we talking Cody Bellinger to hit 306 with 26 bombs at Wrigleyville? Or are we talking Cody Bellinger who hit, what, 196 and 205 back-to-back to supporting seasons where the Dodgers said, see ya. So he's he's still out there. Maybe his price will come down. But I I hear the Giants. I don't see the Giants paying that amount of money. You know, to me, are you a good player? He sure does seem that. Are you a good player in a stadium in which you can really hit? Yeah, Wrigleyville, that sure seems like the right place for him. But the Cubs are not going to do that that price. We had talked in November and December about veteran pitchers on the trade block. Well, they're still there. And now, because they were arbitration eligible, they all signed one-year contract extensions. A couple of these guys are going to be free agents. Shane Bieber. Now, he's had arm problems. Cleveland. Who wants to take on his contract? He just signed a $12 million one-year extension in Cleveland. Dylan Cease, White Sox. His price is now over $12 million. He signed the one-year contract extension. So not only are you taking on that price tag, you have to trade prospects to get cease and the whole corbin burns thing in milwaukee has just gone silent he signed his arbitration contract his price tag is now 13 million and of course if milwaukee trades him it's like they've they've gutted the entire roster and their manager craig council is also gone too so that's where we are in terms of who's out there right now and those three veteran pitchers at the bottom of our board john are still available but we're now with high price tags and you got to trade talent to get that talent, who's going to be willing to do all that? Go ahead. So don't pitchers and catchers report like in a few weeks. Well, February 8th is the start of the Dodgers. The Padres are the 11th, and they're the first two that come because yeah. they're going to play in Seoul, South Korea in March. So the, we got to get our ass in gear and sign these guys. But Snell and Bellinger is kind of the same dynamic, right? You don't know which one you're going to get. Is it the is it the MVP Cy Young, or is it the struggling guy that you know has an ERA in the fives and or hits 200? You know, it's it's so hard to tell. The only thing you know about dealing with them is the area code to the Asian is 323 because it's the same guy. The same guy, yeah? Well, you know, I always wonder if they're ever going to price themselves out of the market. But, you know, what? again, I always go back to the Angels. They are so starved for talent. They've got all this money clear because Otani's gone. Why not Snell? Why not Montgomery? Why not Bellinger? Why not all three? Well, I don't think all three just because of you-know-who's price tag on those guys. But you have cleared that money with Otani. Last I've checked... I think they have signed eight street free agents to one-year deals, and they just signed a relief pitcher over the weekend, but I don't think he's a big-time Rolades award-winning type closer. They still have a desperate need. You know, maybe you go to Scott Boros and you say, I'll give Snell five years, 150. That's 30 mil per season. That's legitimacy without... Years six and seven of the contract. Mm-hmm. And maybe a week from now, as teams start to go to spring training, Snell's price tag will come down. The Bellinger thing, again, it's the agent. Are you are you going to pay Bellinger 30 mil? Does he hit in Anaheim at that stadium as he did at Wrigley Field? Burning question there. And if that's not enough to, to complicate everything, we still have Trevor Bauer and maybe <laughs> Julio Urias of the Dodgers both out there, one's been reinstated to baseball, the other is probably going to get reinstated. Maybe maybe the Angels are holding their breath. 
until they officially get reinstated and then they make the decision, we'll take a gamble on a one-year contract with either of them. Angels, you know, the Angels, I just found out, their TV contract's been picked up for one additional year by Ballet Sports. Mm-hmm. Angels get $123 million in TV right now. That's like double with the Padres guy. Oh, yeah. 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 Because they're kind of pseudo in the second market in the country, plus Orange County, yeah. which is a big market unto itself. Right. I don't want to sit here and hear from Artie Moreno or Perry Manazian, his general manager, that this is all money we have. That's yeah. not true. <laughs> no, it's not you, at you, all. You know, Tani's money is free and gone. You got money to spend. Reinvest it. If they're going to open the season with eight guys that they signed in the offseason, one-year free agent contracts who have marginal career, and that's what you're putting on the field? And you're hoping Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon stay healthy? What kind of operation is that in the second bleeping market of the con- in the country? Yeah. You're not talking about being in Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's a disgrace. You know, but remember a few years back, Michael Conforto didn't sign. And he was like, uh, he didn't play for like a year, even though well, he'd been injured shoulder. But he was recovering from the injury. And, and under most circumstances, those kinds of free agents, they will sign them. Now, do you think any of these guys would not be signed before opening day? Could that happen? Anything is possible. But I'll tell you what, if you're getting opening day, that means everybody spent all the money in the checking account. Because yeah. nobody's walking around with $30 million to give Blake Snell. And he can pitch. The thing is, you're going to give any pitcher a seven-year contract? You're going to give, and I'm not trying to bash him because I like him. He's offbeat. He obviously is a hell of a competitor. But yeah, I'm trying to bash him. You're going <laughs> to give Blake Snell a seven-year contract? To pitch five innings every time you give him the ball, and you're going to guarantee him $30 million per year with a hope he can be more than a five-inning pitcher or doesn't have a physical setback because he is a force 94-mile-an-hour fastball. Well, they gave Yamamoto 10 years. He's never pitched in MLB at all. But dude is 25 with no history of arm problems. Okay. And dude does have wicked stuff. But you're correct. He's never thrown a ball in anger at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> that's coming. Okay, that's where we are with Major League Baseball. We got an off-the-field story here we're going to cover, too. This is a nutty story uh-huh. here. This is the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball, maybe. Speaking of bad rosters. Oh, here we go. I swear to you, John Riley, just Google Oakland A's roster sometime when we're done. And don't spill your coffee on your laptop. Please explain to me that they have any Major League players on that roster now. They've done virtually zero in the offseason after losing, what, 143 games? Now, it wasn't 143, but <laughs> what lot. they did to Mark Kotze last year. Yeah. And now they have no home. They're going to play one more year in that sewage dump that is the Oakland Coliseum. They are desperately trying to find a place to play games in 25, 26, 27 till they move to Sin City in the brand new shiny stadium. Giants said no. We're not making Oracle Park available to you. Of course. Despite what Rob Manfred is trying to force us into. So they've sent their president, David Caval, and other executives on the road. They are now looking at playing maybe home games at three minor league ballparks. I can see Tony Clark of the Union rushing to sign that agreement right now. <laughs> they, they have executives. Look at Las Vegas with the AAA Farm Club. Sacramento, which is the Giants' AAA. Yeah. And now they went to Salt Lake City last week, which is the Angels' AAA. Mm -hmm. So the concept is Oakland A's traveling show. They're going to play home games in three different minor league ballparks for the next three years. How's that going to work? And why would Tony Clark and the union ever agree to that? 
Well, I mean, what are the other options? I mean, the, that's the thing. And so Tony Clark may not have any many other choices. But don't those cities, they already have minor league yeah, teams. So how do you fit everybody in the schedule? Well, somebody, yeah, you want to play a split schedule? Sacramento? You think anybody's going to see Sacramento AAA baseball? They get the chance to see the Oakland A's AAA baseball yeah. team? But, you know, I will say this. Sacramento has really supported that AAA team. Oh, sure. The, I think they're the, the River Cats, I yes. think is the name of the team. So that'd be great. And as a young kid, I remember going to the Salt Lake Gulls games in Salt Lake City uh, back in like the 1975, 76. That was pretty cool. So uh, I I can't see the union. They, they will not allow Major League Baseball to send these guys to play in three different minor league cities. Because this impacts not just the ballplayers, it impacts their families. Yeah. Well, well I mean, if you're going to do that, then why don't you go to Portland, go to Montreal, go to Charlotte, go to Nashville? I mean, that's the that, it's just go for broke. This remains to be determined. They've got one more year in that dump that's the Oakland Coliseum, and then they become <laughs> truly a homeless team. One final topic on the table. Hey. Hockey Hotline is open for business. Yeah, you always count on you, Hacksaw. What's the latest in the NHL? Oh, there's all kinds of stories. Do you remember early in the season, Edmonton Oilers fired their coach, blew him out. Terrible start to the season. They are 23-6 and six since they fired their coach and promoted a minor league coach. Incredible. They've won 13 in a row. The Edmonton Oilers, who looked hard at the beginning of the season, and they just signed, and this, this guy's a role player, this guy's a force on the ice. He can still pot goals. They just signed Corey Perry, legendary Anaheim Duck, to a free agent contract. He's got 423 career goals, and he gives them size and grit as either a second line or a third line forward. Now, he had been out of the NHL. He'd been with the Blackhawks, and he had some personnel issues with alcohol, and there were incidents within that organization, and he was removed, and the the terminated his contract. He went and spent uh, four and a half weeks in alcohol rehab. He's back. They just held a press conference this morning. So hopefully he solved his problem because he's a really good hockey player, even at age 38. But how about Edmonton? They've won 13 in a row. How about this story with the New York Islanders? Uh, their, their general manager is, Lou Lamorello, is stoic, old school. So they've gone through a coaching change. They've gone through a rebuild. They had Lane Lambert, a former Islander, who had been a longtime assistant, promoted him. They blew him out after a year-and-a-half struggle. Out of nowhere, they hire Patrick Waugh. Wow. Legendary Montreal Canadiens goaltender. Yeah. Very successful head coach, Quebec Nordique, that became the Colorado Avalanche. Does It always ends badly with him. <laughs> but they hired Patrick Waugh, who's been a coach, general manager, and owner of one of the top junior teams, the Quebec Remparts. He just stepped aside at the end of last season, sold the club, wanted to get back into NHL. They hired him. He's a firebrand. Holy cow. So, I mean, my my two most memories of Patrick Waugh, aside from being a brilliant goaltender, was when he was in Montreal at the end. They left him in one night, and he gave up seven goals, and he got bombed. And it was obvious he wasn't right. And they finally pulled him in the middle of third period, and he skated off the ice with a stick in his mask, went to the Canadian's bench, and the ownership sits in the box seats right behind the bench. He took his stick and he pointed it at the owners. And I'm not quite sure he used the King's best English, but anyhow, he wound up <laughs> yeah. getting traded right after that. Wow. And then in Colorado, he got tired of the modern-day players and had a meltdown in the locker room after the playoffs 
and he resigned. He walked away from a big money NHL job because he didn't like what he was seeing in the room for what the modern day player has become. So he's a firebrand. He's really different. And I'm fascinated that Lamorello would link up with this guy because that's Lamorello is just, you know, he's a white shirt, polka dot tie guy. Mm-hmm. This is how we've operated forever. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Waugh is cut from a different cloth. So that's that's a New York Islander story you might want to pay attention to. I can't explain what's happened with the L.A. Kings. They have all these goal scorers, and they've just grossly underachieved. They've won only two of their last 12 games. They made this big trade in the offseason to get this big power forward center winger, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois from Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. It's blown up in their face. Guy's making $8 million a year. Has scored, I think he scored nine goals. That's it? That's it. We're at the midseason point, and he scored nine goals. He's been removed from being a center and and relocated to play on the left wing. Kevin Fiala, who they got from Minnesota a year ago, he's making $8 million a year. He's not scoring. Rob Blake is just giving a vote of confidence to Todd McClellan, the besieged coach, who had done such a good job for two-plus years. All of a sudden, McClellan's system isn't working either. So keep an eye on something happening with the Kings. They're capped out. I don't know how they can trade and... You know, you're going to put any of these $8 million guys on a trade block. Nobody's got any money to take these guys. The Kings right now just are not the same team. And then there's the Ducks, and this is really tough. They've had so many injuries to all their young stars. Now they lose Trevor Zegras, the bright young center iceman, again. He had missed six weeks, comes back, plays a couple of games, gets hit by a shot, fractured leg. He's gone six to eight weeks. They lose their top young defenseman, who I thought was going to be with the goals. He went in there and earned a job. Rookie Pavel Mintyukov, a Russian, he's out with a shoulder. And they gave a ton of money to Alex Kalorn to jump from Tampa Bay to come to the Ducks. And he's had two major injuries, fractured hand early, and now he's torn a knee ligament over the weekend. Surgery, he's gone for eight weeks. And the Ducks, Ducks right now, they... They've got some guys they could trade, but that would mean that tank in the rest of the season and then hope to get high draft picks and have the youngest team on the face of the planet. They just they're going through such a really bad time. Wow. I mean, this is incredible. These these stories about getting a new coach in Edmonton and flipping the whole thing around. I mean, it's incredible how that happens in some cases in any sport where a lot of times you bring in a new coach and, you know, it's still misery and failure. Um, The other comment I wanted to ask you about, it was uh, the Islanders. Now, they don't play in New York City. They play way out on Long Island. Yeah, brand new arena. So do they draw out there? I mean, is yes. it? A, but there's a lot of money out there too, right? There's a lot of history out there. I mean, mm-hmm. the Islanders, the, the, going way back. This is before you drank your first beer, became a hockey fan, <laughs> pounding on the glass behind the penalty box. Uh, the Islanders under the Dennis Potvin era, under the Brian Trottier era. I mean, in in the seventies and eighties, and and they've had some flashes of good years. There's a lot of history and tradition. Not everybody was a Ranger fan, and when they first became an expansion team. The New York Islanders played out on Long Island and they grabbed everybody in Nassau and Suffolk County mm-hmm. and became hockey fans. And they had a pretty good franchise for Al Arbor, a whole bunch of years. And then that the Nassau Coliseum was a thousand years old and fallen down, kind of looked like our sports arena. And they went <laughs> they went to the new Barclays Center in Brooklyn when that opened, where the, the Nets, Brooklyn oh, yeah. Nets play. But it's not a hockey rink and there was a lot of bad seating vis-a-vis hockey. So then they, they built a new arena just opened maybe a year ago and it's state of the art and it's snazzing. It's back out on the island. 
uh, right close, I think, to where the New York Mets built City Field. So, yeah, there's there's great history and tradition going back before you had your first beer. Okay, so it is on the island, but it's close to to New York City. It's yeah. not way out on the no, eastern part. No, it might part. be fifty to sixty miles from New York City. Okay, but that's kind of where you grew up, kind of roughly oh, yeah. out yeah, there. I wasn't an Islanders fan. I definitely was not a Ranger fan. I was <laughs> I was a Maple Leaf fan. Okay. okay, so those are hot topics on the table. Our podcast is brought to you by the North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. You know, whether it's problems with glaucoma, whether it's problems with cataracts, if you need advice, you need help, you need eye test, you need North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. And our podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Dixie Line, let us remind you, it's winter. You got problems with windows and doors. You got heating bill issues. Windows, doors, new windows, doors change everything. Go check out what they have available. Talk to the consultants at Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center. John? Oh, look at look at the traffic jam of people that want to join us. Fans Every form, day. it's your turn, your friends. All right, let's go. Let's go to one of my buddies here. We'll go to Cal Callan Max Sports. He says which city is more cursed, Buffalo or San Diego? Man, that was a depressing ending for the Bills yesterday. A shame that Tyler Bass and Scott Norwood are now linked forever in Buffalo sports lore. Why, right? Oh, it was terrible. Uh, they've, they've got to drag this reputation now that's stapled to their resume. They can't do it in postseason. And it's just not Sean McDermott. As brilliant as a man as Marv Levy was, that didn't work either. So, yeah. There's probably heavy hearts in Buffalo. And unfortunately, the window of opportunity on these teams closes. Yeah. Because you get age, you get injuries, you mm-hmm. get retirement. Josh Allen is still a player. They still got a really good group of skill guys. They uncovered as James Cook is quite quite the running back. So but boy, this is this is gut wrenching. And Kansas City, they gotta wear that. Own it. You haven't beaten them yet. When it counted the most. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, Bills will be back. But yeah, he's and crap, it's winter up there. It's cold. <laughs> it's brutal. <laughs> oh, a lot, of, a lot of things to feel bad about, a.k.a. Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's <laughs> had it hard, but I think San Diego's had it worse. We've lost an NFL tra- uh, franchise. We had a team that would have been a number one seed in March Madness. They didn't make it because of COVID and a list of other things. But, you know, there is that linkage because you know, the Buffalo Braves became the San Diego Clippers. Way back in the day. Yeah, so they're the two cities that have the curse. I, maybe that's how the virus spread. Okay, we move on. <laughs> Moving on, let's... Uh, Let's go here to to Willie. And he says, oh, we're talking about the analysts. He goes, turn the sound off. They all suck. Compared to past announcers, they're a freaking disgrace. Nothing more than player agents. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, there's no doubt that when you transition from being a player to being in the booth, there's a line there. Where is that line? What do I say that's acceptable versus what do I say that might be critical, that might be unfair? It's a tough line for these guys to evaluate. I don't think any of those guys are really negative. Now, are they all critical? It depends what day of the week it is you're watching. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what's different is, and I'll, I'll say this, you can't analyze every snap just like, you know, I greatly enjoy the Padre broadcast crew, but you can't analyze every ball on strike. Right. But if you have the ability to give insight from the player's perspective as to what's happened and what you see formation-wise, you do that. And then if you throw some persona, a little bit of flair in there, 
that just makes the mix even better. Because the worst thing is everybody's analyzing third and 18, what the hell you're going to do and what kind of defense. You can't do that play by play. At least that's one man's opinion who's been in that booth and worked with ex-players about broadcasters of how to present the package of the information you have. I like all those guys. Obviously, Willie doesn't like any of them. I don't know. Willie, what the hell do you want on your TV? You tell me. Go ahead, John. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all, all these guys are something, but obviously all the analysts are former players, right? Yeah. Now, are, are there any of the play-by-play guys former players, or are they like professional broadcasters? No, I don't. I don't off the top of my head, uh, there might be a few, but until, I'm just talking about the marquee guys on the yeah. network, the lead teams. No, they're not former players at all. Well, Callant has another follow-up on this. He says, Lee, who's the best analyst you've worked with, whether it's hockey or football? Well, hockey, I did a one-man broadcast. Uh, NFL football, we had a bunch of really cool guys when we were the voice of the Chargers. Um, most unique guy was Chet Forty. Not that he was a great X and O's guy, but what a great storyteller he was. You oh, know, yeah. if I say Monday Night Football back in the day, you think... Howard Cosell. Dandy Don, and Frank Dandy Gifford. Don, yeah. They were all dynamic personalities. But the guy in the truck... Mm-hmm. That created that aura was Chet Forty. Ah, yeah. And he worked one year with us as kind of an extra added color analyst to our broadcast. And the stories he could tell, because all the places he had been, it was awesome. <laughs> so he was the most unique guy. Uh, and I, I enjoyed being around Pat Curran and Jim Laslovic, the former Charger guys. And um, the most unique guy I ever worked with was a guy in Seattle. And he's doing the Seahawks now. Longtime receiver, Steve Rabel. Really sharp dude. Um, and he was my color analyst for the three years I did the Seattle Seahawks. And we had a good time. And it was strange for him because he knew who I was. And I was coming from out of town. And he knew me as the voice of the Chargers. And we hit the floor for the first broadcast. We had three, two in the booth, one on the field. And we had a really good broadcast team. And unfortunately, the thing got broken up. But Steve is, is still the radio voice of the Seattle Seahawks. So I, I enjoyed working with him at Chet 40. God, John, you would, you'd miss going to work. You'd sit there and listen. Yeah, he was great. Oh, my goodness. Where he'd been, what he had done, not just in the NFL, what he'd done in the NBA, and what mm-hmm. he did in the Olympics. And this, this guy directed... Something with the Queen and the King in England. Was it like the coronation or something? Coronation, some, I mean, yeah. phenomenal storylines of who he was, where he'd been. And I wish he had written a book before he oh, passed. Yeah. He had been so many places, done so many things. So do that's you, a great do, that's a great. Do you question. have a favorite, like, old school analyst? Like, let's say before John Madden, you know, back in the day. Do you, are there well, any ones that stand out? I grew up as a kid following baseball mm-hmm. on Long Island. I was the only person I knew that was not a Yankee fan. And this is during the Mantle Maris era. Oh, my. Okay. And I grew up in the Brooklyn Dodger era, Ebbets Field, the Giants at the Polo Grounds. And I, I just remember listening to Yankee baseball, Mel Allen, Phil Rizzuto, yeah. Red Barber. I guess that's the reason I am who I am now, right now, because I came from that background. So, yeah, the, that's the era. You grew up in Frisco, Probably Lon Simmons and yeah. some of those other guys. Lon Simmons, uh, Bill King, oh, yeah. Al Michaels, uh, a lot of great ones. And then the new guy that's been doing the Giants, what's his name? He used to be the broadcaster for the Orioles. He's very good, too. Yeah. Oh, uh, Miller, John Miller. Yeah, John Miller. And then, of course, everybody in Los Angeles got spoiled by... Vince Scully. Scully, yeah. And then you know, and then Chick Hearn, he was the one-man show, like, yep. just like you were. 
Exactly. Okay, move on. We got other questions here. All right, let's go here. Let's go to Kevin. He says Lakers are under five hundred. Who should they trade? Who is available and would be the best fit? Well, we talked about this last week. Uh, Dejounte Murray, Atlanta, suddenly is on the trade blocks, averaging twenty one points per game. Uh, any deal involving the Lakers is probably going to have to involve the big contract and the shooting guard, uh, D'Angelo Russell. However, there's a lot of talk that Atlanta not only wants Russell, but they want Austin Reeves, and they want a number one pick, and the Lakers don't have very many number one picks there. You know, but we we did a big breakdown, Kevin. If you go back and look at last Thursday's podcast that's on the YouTube channel, we did a breakdown of all the transactions that their general manager, uh, Polinka, has made to try to change the roster going back five years. You'd be shocked at how hard they work, what they brought in, and none of it's worked at all. And they're still sub-500. So. Mm-hmm. And they got AD, and they got LeBron, they got half a season, and they're in 10th freaking place in the NBA Western Conference. So it's going to be hard to make a deal and get the right deal. And they've tried and tried and tried and haven't done it yet. Yeah, well, I think in the end, the guys that are on that roster have got to play, you know, and they've got to perform. And some of them are having down years. I do question if there's something going on with AD and LeBron. I don't know if it's their style of play or the chemistry, but that's the one common denominator through all of those years when Polinka was making all of those moves. Yeah, you go back and look. If you get spare time, hell, it's raining outside. You're not going outside <laughs> today. You get spare time Kev, go back and find our Thursday podcast. It's right there. Uh, And watch the Lakers segment that we did because we put a full screen board of all the transactions that Polinka's made. A phenomenal number of names they've imported and tried to work through in deals haven't happened. If not to Jante Murray, Washington is shopping Kyle Kuzma. That's a really good basketball player. But you had him here before and you traded him away. Now he's got a mega contract and now you got to get matching contracts because you're up against the, the, the tax payment. It's very complex mosaic for Polinka to negotiate through. But they got to fix this because these guys are on the clock. Yeah, they're on the clock. Well, let's keep going here. We got John. He's got a comment. He says, has anybody contacted Pete Carroll? He would seem to be a no-brainer solution to give the Chargers some relevancy in the L.A. market. I expect the Chargers to charger this like everything else. Using his quote, chargering. (laughs) If we wake up by Thursday of this week, our next podcast If we wake up and Harbaugh is at Michigan or somewhere else, if we wake up and Dan Quinn's been hired leaving Dallas somewhere else, we wake up, the Chargers don't have a general manager and have yet to move on a coach because they lost guys. You can invoke your favorite word, (laughs) chargering. Yeah, that's where we are, John. It's fascinating. No, nobody's called Pete Carroll yet. I don't understand it. Maybe maybe he's going to sit out a year. They owe him a ton of money. Maybe he'll sit out a year and maybe try to cherry pick the right spot. But, hell, I would have called area code 206 the minute he got let go just to bring him in and explore. They haven't done it yet. Yeah, you know, I've been reading articles about Pete Carroll and the culture that he created with the Seahawks and how he's now like a public speaker dealing with corporations about culture building. And I'm thinking, well, this dude is like a savant. He's more than just an X's and O's guy. He's unique. Yeah, he's an organization builder. Okay. Moving on, let's go down here to Hugh. He says, Harbaugh would be a fool to sign with Chargers. Well, everybody's got this thing in their bloodstream that I can do it. You know, he did it. 
at USD, tiny USD, no scholarships. He did it at Stanford. What he did at Stanford was really special. And obviously, he rebuilt the 49ers, and dude went to Michigan with great accolades. And he was he was in big jeopardy in 2020 of losing his job. And re, he reinvented his football operation in 2020. It took him three years, and look where they wound up. That is Harbaugh holding his trophy. They earned that trophy. So... This guy knows how to roster build. This guy knows how to develop quarterbacks. This guy knows how to create toughness. I'd hire the guy. He's a little bit different. He's a little bit offbeat. Maybe it ends badly. Oh, crap. You got four or five years with him. Maybe it fixes him, fixes the franchise while you got the kid quarterback. Well, of all the names available, how would you stack rank them? One, two, three, if you're the Chargers ownership. I would say Harbaugh because he's a young 60 years of age with a proven track record. I would say Pete Carroll, 1A. I like Dan Quinn, who, by the way, finished above 500 as a head coach, but didn't have a good organization around him. Those are the three. I'm just kind of skitterish about recycled guys. You know, Raheem Morris with the Rams as defensive coordinator has kind of rebuilt resume. Brian Flores has rebuilt his resume even though he's suing the NFL. Um, I'm a little bit skitterish about second-time head coaches who are not dynamic people. And the Chargers are of the opinion they need somebody dynamic. I think their their quote was, we want to reimagine, re-image who we are <laughs> because they got the quarterback, Justin Herbert. Yeah. So I... I'd take Harbaugh, and I'd take Pete Carroll one or the other. I don't know who you would take. Who would John Riley take? Yeah, it's got to be Harbaugh, because this is L.A. This is Showtime, baby. Well, Pete Carroll's Showtime, too. Yeah, he is, but they need that kind of a personality to lead their team. Carry on. Carrying on. Let's go here to 4RXLA, talking about Snell going five innings. He says, Dave Roberts only uses five-inning pitchers. <laughs> oh, I knew you just would pile on. <laughs> you would just need to pile on. The first thing that I read coming out of Los Angeles— after they signed Otani and Yamamoto, the first thing was, Dave Roberts, you're going to screw this one up too? <laughs> so we'll see. That's a really good team, though. Holy cow, that's a really good team now. And, you know, they they are not going to have Dustin May back till July at the earliest. Clayton Kershaw is rehabbing. And I assume they they may have a secret deal that once he gets through the whole rehab process, that they will sign him. So you, we're going to get two starting pitchers in midseason on top of everything else you've already stockpiled. Now, granted, Otani is not going to throw. He's just going to be DH. What a batting order. What, Dave Roberts, you're going to screw this one up too? <laughs> he always seems to overmanage in the playoffs. Yeah. But, you know, going back to this idea, the— you know, it's different. We're not living in the era of uh, Bob Gibson and Nolan Ryan when the guys would go 9, 10, 12 innings in a game. Now now they only go like six, right? And then you've got your two setup guys and your closer. So it's changed, hasn't it? And I know some MLB franchises really focus on starters only going like half the game. I think the thing that kind of fascinates me is we knew when November free agency opened, John, we knew what the Dodgers needed. And we knew what the assets were the Dodgers had to use to go get what they needed. And through all these transactions, getting Glass now from Tampa, who's a proven commodity, he's got to stay healthy, but he is a proven commodity. Getting Yamamoto that everybody thinks might be the best of all time to come out of Japan. That says a lot considering Yu Darvish and Kenta Maeda and Hunjin Ru and, and Otani. And Otani. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then you add Otani. They did all that. 
And all they gave up in the offseason transactions were Ryan Pepio, who looks like he's got a bright career. He went to Tampa. And obviously the trade they made with the Cubs, which was a roster deal to move the first baseman, Mike Bush, who's a great 4A player, but it's not proven he can hit major league pitching. He went to the Chicago Cubs just a couple of weeks ago. So the Dodgers made all these acquisitions that sure changed the, the landscape of the National League West. And all they gave up was one bright young pitcher and a first baseman who's yet to prove he can hit major league pitching. What a hell of an offseason, L.A.'s had. Yeah, and, and they're bold, they're decisive, they had a plan, and they executed it. And meanwhile, all these other teams are kind of sitting around waiting for something else to happen. And the first question out of somebody's mouth in a column in Los Angeles, Dave Roberts, you're going to screw this up, are you? <laughs> let's carry on a couple more here. C- carrying on. Let's go here to Steve. Because, Lee, I thought Vrabel was going to talk with Kraft about New England. What happened? I think there was a prearranged transaction that Jared Mayo would be the guy. Uh, everybody in the NFL, the insiders, and I network with a ton of people, um, are the opinion that, that Vrabel was going to get an interview. Did not happen. Vrabel's going to get hired. The fact that Vrabel's being brought back in for second interviews within a week after getting dismissed in Tennessee, uh, he was the last guy that got fired, uh, means that Vrabel's going to wind up with a job. I'm not sure whether it's going to be Atlanta, uh, whether it might be Washington. Washington's been very silent. They haven't talked about who they've interviewed. Other other teams like the Chargers have openly talked. Chargers have interviewed 14 coaching candidates. So we'll see if Vrabel shows up for a second interview in L.A. I think Atlanta, if the Belichick thing does not work out. But he's a good coach. We'll get hired. I was stunned they let him go. They're in the middle of rebuild. It's obvious that they've got the quarterback, Will Levis, from the University of Kentucky. And yet they hit the eject button on him. So. I love this idea of a coach in waiting, you know, kind of like with Dutcher and Fisher mm-hmm. at San Diego State, because if you can identify your next guy, then it doesn't put anything in doubt. You know, you've got continuity with a plan that works um, and you avoid a lot of this drama. I think Kraft has made a good move here. I, I think they knew. They knew the pedigree. They knew where he was, what he had come from as a player mm-hmm. and grown into the position. It's kind of like Antonio Pierce with the Raiders. I mean, they knew who he was, who he played under, what he learned from. And that's why he did. He was five and four. That being said, coach the hell out of him with a lot of emotion. You still need a quarterback. You still need more players than the Raiders. Yeah, they do. But at least they know from a system standpoint what they're going to run, and they know how he interacts with his players. Moving on. All right, let's go to Emmanuel. He says, this whole situation in Oakland is getting worse. They lost the Warriors, the Raiders, and now going to lose the A's and In-N-Out Burger. Yeah, the In-N-Out Burger at the airport. John, you won't be able to have lunch when you fly through the Bay Area now. Uh, In-N-Out Burger just closed. I just found out about that this morning. You know, Oakland is it's an economically disadvantaged city. Uh, there are probably some parts of Oakland that are really neat and historical, and there's a lot of bad parts. And I think the economics of the city of Oakland on the East Bay is just a bad set of circumstances. And yet you talk to people. Um, I, I followed a, an interview that Ron Washington did, and he talked about his time with, you know, quote, Moneyball in Oakland and what it was like to be there and how electric it was. So here's support, but it's economically disadvantaged. They can't get a stadium built. It just It's so complex. California law may play into that, but yeah, it's sad. They've lost everything in the city of Oakland. Yeah, it, it is sad. I mean, w- by the way, Ron Washington was, he had a character playing him in the movie Moneyball, if I remember. It was great. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, but I've been to Oakland recently. Like, I was there about a year ago, and I was in this little neighborhood. It was kind of cool, you know? It was a really neat little place. But yeah, Oakland's got a lot of history, a lot of baggage. But I think the, the thing that's challenging is in California, taxpayers don't want to f- subsidize stadiums, and they're making it more and more difficult for them to build. And I think that's why they're hitting the eject button. 
why would I want to pay for somebody's stadium to a rich man when I freak out paying four dollars and ninety three cents for a gallon of gasoline and <laughs> my grocery bill? I mean, living out here is so bleeping expensive now. Well, we we got to get taxpayers to build a, a podcast <laughs> studio for us. You know, that's that's what we should do. Okay, let's move to social media because we got some uh, comments from uh, some of John's best friends and some of his enemies too that <laughs> wanted to join us on social media on Fans Forum. All right, let's go here to <laughs> more Chargers comment. From Breeze B, he says, This family of owners is a joke. The league and fans can laugh at this team for many more years to come. Chargering, no home stadium, always injured, choking late leads, soft. This can all end now, but it won't. And I'm a freaking Bolts fan. Yeah, Bolts fans are really fed up. And how's this, how's this tidbit I'll, I'll just tack onto the back of Breezer's social note? Guess who interviewed for the Raiders general manager job today? For a second time, Tom Ooh. Telesco. Really? I can't believe Tom Telesco would trade in Charger gear to wear the silver and bleak. I mean, silver and black. Wow. But he's interviewed a second time. He would bring law, order, and class, which they've hardly ever seen, to the Raider Nation's front office if he wound up taking He interviewed, he's there today. Well, they're starting, and they got Tom Coughlin here. I mean, it seems like maybe the Raiders are kind of changing their tune. Yeah, structurally, might be very, very different. That'd be fascinating if it happened. And, you know, Tom went through, he worked really hard. He got a lot of athletes. He got the quarterback, couldn't stay healthy. He wasn't bold, which was one of my critiques of him. Uh, but he's a really good man. I mean, that, that is intriguing. If you got Telesco and you got Coughlin as a consultant, that's kind of different than been there forever and ever and ever under Mark Davis and prior to that, Al Davis. Yeah, it's, it's a lot different. So good for those guys. Hey, let's move on. Hey, let's, let's talk a little bit a little Lakers here from uh, By the Willow of Crom. He says, it takes five on the floor to play cohesive defense. LeBron doesn't play defense most of the time. Yeah, that's, that's one item. There's some age and injury issues there. The other item, last I checked... Adam Silver, the commissioner, still has a rule that says there's only one basketball on the floor at a time. Yes. I think sharing the basketball and role responsibilities. But no, Willow, you're correct. Other end of the floor, it seems like a foreign instance, substance nobody pays any attention to. And that's, you know, bigs, athletes, uh, they, they've just got a lot of internal chemistry problems, I think. Yeah, so I, that's what I'm saying. I think LeBron and AD somehow are part of the problem and they keep trying to keep them and solve the periphery, but maybe their meat and potatoes aren't the right guys. Okay, social media, somebody else stand up and shout. <laughs> okay, here's go. let's go here to uh, Tom Power. He says, I live in Orange County and San Diego deserves the Chargers. Used to love driving down there. Great fans. Owners can kill franchises. Hey, we got Artie Moreno, for example. Yeah, one and the same right now. And, I mean, Artie Moreno, I was a huge backer of Artie Moreno. But we're sitting here in 2024, and look at what the example of what the franchise has evolved into, turned into, and now he's become a recluse of a man. You know, if, if I were rich like Artie Moreno, or I had money and I owned the franchise like Dean Spanos, how horrible it must be to be disliked across the board by virtually everybody and to be a recluse almost be a hostage in your own offices at Angel Stadium because you don't want to go outside because you'll probably get booed and you don't want to talk to the freaking media because you're in grudge mode for what they're reporting. What they're reporting on is bad football. What they're reporting on is 27 nothing lead lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars a year ago. They're mm -hmm. just reporting the facts and expressing opinions of the money you pissed away signing drug trouble players in Anaheim. Uh, what must it be like for these guys to have money and, quote, family fame 
I own my franchise and be stuck in your office because you can't go outside. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, the whole thing is a disgrace. Bizarre. It's, it is bizarre. I mean, with all of those resources, you're in the media capital of the world. I mean, what's the hell's the problem here? But isn't it interesting how in, in all different sports, if you've got a recluse of an owner, everything below them on the org chart is just dysfunctional. I mean, like, you know, Robert Ursay in in, uh, in Indy. I mean, and we could talk about NBA owners and MLB owners. I mean... Jimmy Ursay, his son. Oh, pardon me. Jim Ursay. And Robert Ursay was dysfunctional, too. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, I mean, that's what it's always been. It's always been these... The leadership matters. And if you don't have the right guy at the top, it's going to be a cluster. That's where we are. A couple more here. Okay, let's go here. Talk a little bit about Amazon and Bally. This is from Mikey talking baseball streaming. He says, as a lifelong Rangers fan, I can't wait for Bally to die and give me my team back. I'm hoping they go to Amazon Prime. But really, as long as Bally is out of the picture, it's going to be a huge win for the fans. How MLB allowed this nonsense to drag on for so long is beyond me. Well, everybody knew streaming was coming at some level. We did not know that Diamond and Bally were going to self-destruct and that so many of these franchises were going to lose their TV deals. And, you know, flipping it back to the Padres, the Padres back-end loaded a bunch of these contracts because they knew they had a $60 million a year TV deal for the next 20 years. Now that that $60 million per season is gone because Bally dumped the contract, Major League Baseball took it over, But what the Padres are going to make this year is not going to be equal to what happened last year. And going forward, much smaller amount of money. And the Padres are still on the hook for all the deferred money that they owe and the back-end loaded money they owe to their stars. It's a huge issue in Major League Baseball. Uh, Texas does not have this deal done yet. Something will happen. Uh, Atlanta was part of this, I think, the six teams that agreed to take one more year full payment Full payment from Bally. You know, why the Padres didn't qualify for full payment this year, but MLB has them as the anchor to the streaming. It's it's a very complex problem for sure. But streaming is now part of life. And a year from today, when the AFC and NFC championship games are on streaming, mm-hmm. it probably won't be for $5.99. It might be for a hell of a lot money. I don't want to hear any beefing from you <laughs> a year from today, Sammy Streamer. Well, hopefully it's on Amazon Prime where I'm already paying for it now, you know, not only for the free shipping, but to watch movies. That wouldn't be so bad. But, you know, you got to sign up for Peacock. You got to sign up for Amazon and Netflix and yada, yada. Suddenly you've got a whole smorgasbord going. Okay. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Monday bonus podcast. We sure enjoy having you as part of our team. A reminder, want you to join us for Fans Forum at the end of every podcast. Want you to register to become part of Hacksaw's Insiders Group. Want you to tell your friends. I want you to share and subscribe to everything you do on our YouTube channel so you'll get the alert every time we put something up. And because of him, we put a lot of stuff up <laughs> all during the course of the week. A reminder, our bonus podcast on Monday is brought to you by Dixie and Lumber and Home Center. Dixie Line. Right now for winter, you need to be thinking doors and windows and about your heating bill. Dixie Line can help you with that. And by North County Eye Centers, Poway and Escondido, we all need advice about our eyesight, about our vision. Whether it's tests or whether it's solutions for things like cataracts and glaucoma, need help with your eyes, think. North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. John, take a deep breath. 
We'll be back on Thursday to preview AFC-NFC championship games in the NFL and all things baseball, NBA, hockey, because we cover the waterfront. Cover the waterfront. (laughs) Wide right. (laughs) John, have yourself a great afternoon. We'll see you come Thursday. Okay, stay dry, Lee. And thanks again for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.